Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of skillful living. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Sometimes we feel that we're really wise, but because we never listen, we manifest our stupidity. You know, in the multitude of counselors there is wisdom, the scriptures declare. And you give a wise man instruction, he will hear, he will increase in learning and become wiser. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The key word in the book of Proverbs is wisdom, the ability to live life skillfully. However, the simple truth is, a godly life in an ungodly world is no simple assignment. And so, in his introduction to a new verse-by-verse series, Pastor Xavier illustrates how the book of Proverbs is one of the few in the entire Bible that clearly spells out its own purpose. And we'll begin by taking a look at the principal contributor and one who was probably qualified better than any other. Solomon's an interesting man. We see that he obtained favor of God in many ways that no man has ever attained. And yet, many times, man would say, if I could only have this, if I could only have that, if I could only achieve this, if I could only achieve that, then I would be satisfied. (laughs) Yet Solomon probably achieved more than any person has ever done. As he got to the end of his life, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And the bottom line was this, because he gave himself over to pleasure and to the things of the world. He said, vanity, vanity, and vexation of spirit. Nothing new under the sun. In other words, he had experienced everything in life. We're going to look up some of the things that he accomplished before we get into the book of Proverbs. And yet, as he had given himself to experience, his conclusion was that everything is futile apart from God. Now that's an interesting statement because many times Satan will come to you or myself but we've never experienced something and he'll entice us or he'll try to challenge us. Yeah, but see, if, if, if you experience this, then you'd really know what you're talking about and you'd really be able to minister. <laughs> well, Jesus Christ ministered about every problem that a man has ever gone through and he didn't have to experience it. He consoled a woman in adultery and yet he was never involved in adultery. See, if I as a minister or a Christian have to experience everything that I'm going to be able to relate to people, then I'm in deep trouble. I would be so busy experiencing, I wouldn't have time to minister. (laughs) And yet Solomon, in all his wisdom, and because he was the wisest man that has lived, he has to have been the biggest fool. Because if you're the wisest and you fail in that that you have knowledge and wisdom in, then your failure has to be in the measure of degree of your knowledge. You know, when a child makes a obvious mistake, we don't jump on them as much as an adult that would make the very same mistake, having years of experience. To the child, we might say, oh, it's okay, look, this is how you do it. 
But when a man that has experienced it and knows better, we would say, what's the matter with you, stupid? <laughs> what did you do? I can't believe you did that. Because we expect that much more from him. God gives us very much through his word. God gives us a brand new nature as we come to Christ. And every day he pours himself into us as much as we allow. And therefore he requires the same amount that he gives out. Whatever God gives to you in your lifetime and wisdom and knowledge and love and compassion and abundance, he requires that back at one time or another. The responsibility is great. And so Solomon equally was greatly responsible to act in a different manner. Now when he wrote Proverbs, he was living in the light of God. When he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he was an old man looking back on his life and regretting many things, acknowledging that all apart from God is futile. As we go through the Proverbs, I pray that the Lord just ministers unto you and, and even in greater measure that I could even bring out certain things and that you would ponder the Proverbs there's 31 of them. You can read one chapter a day every month and you can have the Proverbs in your heart. Proverbs and Psalms are great for bringing up a child, for living in the right way that the Lord would want us to. All the time just yielding to what God would have for us and in us. Now the word Proverbs comes from the root word which is used in the Hebrew and the Semitic languages to express comparison. And the Proverbs are basically comparisons of contrast or similes, or they build line upon line to bring out and establish a point. The author, as we said, is Solomon, the son of David, which says right there in verse 1. But let's look at some of the things about Solomon. Put your hand there on Proverbs and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. Now here he says, Now my son, the Lord be with thee, and prosper thou, and build the house of the Lord thy God, and he hath said of thee, Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding, and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. So right away David realized the wisdom that was needed to lead God's people. And not only that, but the wisdom to build the temple of the Lord. Now he goes on to tell him in verse 13, Then shalt thou prosper if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and the judgment which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Dread not, nor be dismayed. Now David perhaps was thinking of his lack of wisdom in his own life as he made many mistakes. Now one of the things that hinders teaching is the lack of example. Though David was a mighty man of God, used mightily, God had called him out from the sheepfold. Though he is as a loving father giving counsel to his son Solomon, yet there are examples in his life that Solomon recalls very vivid. If not by being present or hearing about them, and they're very much impressed. There are things in your mind and my mind that we saw our parents do. And as much as we hated what they were or what they did, 
when you got married, you ended up doing some of the same things. So here David counsels him to seek wisdom from God. As a matter of fact, in 2 Chronicles, the next book over, in chapter 1, Solomon worships the Lord and he makes offerings unto him, thousands of burnt offerings. And in verse 7 it says, And that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercies unto David my father and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before his people. And that's a phrase for judging and guiding the people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, because this was in thy heart and thou hast not asked riches and thou hast not and wealth or honor nor the life of thine enemies neither yet has thou long life asked for it but has asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. Now that turned God on because he asked wisdom, and not for himself, but to guide his people. He knew he didn't have the wisdom for it. He took the counsel of his father, and he petitioned it of God. And because he asked that, God gave him all the rest. Let me show you some of the evidence of the wisdom that God gave to him. If you turn to 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29 through 34. First it says there in verse 29, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. He goes on to say in verse 31 that he was wiser than all men. He names Etham, Israelite, Heman, Calcol, Derda, the son of Maol, and his fame was in all nations round about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He was a poet. He was a songwriter. He spake of trees. I don't know the phrase for a treeologist, something like that. Cedar trees in Lebanon, even the hyssop and the spring of, of, out of the wall. And he spake also of beasts. He was a zoologist and of the fowl, and of the creeping things, and the fishes. And there came all the people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. I mean, he was an architect, botanist, zoologist, songwriter, poet. I mean, you name it. This guy, the scripture says that he made gold and silver as the rocks in Jerusalem. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, you know there's a lot of rocks. In chapter 10 of 1 Kings, we get the account of the Queen of Sheba who came to hear the fame of Solomon in verse 1 concerning the name of the Lord. And she came to prove him with hard questions. I mean, she didn't believe it. And then in verse 7, after she had been there a while, 
And it says that there was no more spirit in her when he, she saw all the evidence of his wisdom. And in verse 7 it says, Howbeit I believe not the words until I came, and my eyes have seen it, and behold a half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Now Solomon disobeyed the word of God. In chapter 10 there, verse 28, he went into Egypt and multiplied horses to himself. In chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, it says that he loved many strange women. In verse 3, he says that he had 700 wives. 300 concubines. That's direct disobedience according to Deuteronomy, verse 7, chapter 17, verse 16 and 17, that a king of Israel was never to multiply horses, especially going back to Egypt, and he was never to multiply wives because they would lead his heart astray. What does it say right there? In verse 2, it says, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. If you go on and read the rest of chapter 11 there, of 1 Kings, it says that the wives of Solomon turned his heart away from God, and he began to erect temples and worship the other gods. 700 wives, 300 concubines, 1,000 women. He couldn't have been that wise. I mean, he added to his own hurt. There's a neat scripture in 1 Corinthians that would be a good scripture for the book of Proverbs before we start it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. <laughs> you should make a plaque of that because our flesh always thinks it knows better. Now, the book of Proverbs is divided into different sections. The first six verses gives to us the purpose, or is like a preface. Like when you read a book, the author gives you a preface of it. And then from verse 7 to chapter 9, you have the discourse of Solomon as counsel. And then from chapter 10 to chapter 24, you have the Proverbs of Solomon. Chapter 25 to 29, you have the collection of Solomon's Proverbs by the men of King Hezekiah. And then you have the last two discourse, chapter 30, 31, and then the virtuous woman, the latter portion of chapter 31. And that's the basic division that you'll find for the book of Proverbs. Let's get into Proverbs, verse 1. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. So now he gives you the purpose of the Proverbs. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Verse 3 is the result of obtaining verse 2. Many times we satisfy ourselves with knowledge, yet knowledge can be very destructive. I think our world today is a perfect evidence. We have a lot of smart people but when they take what they know and they put it together, it's gotten us in a lot of trouble. So wisdom is really the proper application of the facts. That's wisdom. Instruction is that what has been given to you through teaching. Perception is taking that instruction and being able to grasp it, to see through it, to put it together. 
and then bringing it forth, being manifested in wisdom. The result of that will be to receive that instruction in wisdom, which will be the application, justice, the right thing to do, and judgment to be able to discern one from the other. And equity, which speaks about a moral standard. And really, this is what the Proverbs is trying to do, is trying to give to us a moral standard. But don't make a mistake and think that we can give the Proverbs to the unregenerated man and think that he can put it to practice. Equally as foolish would it be for people to try to say, if we can just have the world to try to apply the principles on the Sermon on the Mount, everything would be okay. Well, you have to be born again to be able to do that. No unborn person of the Spirit can do that. Solomon is speaking to those people that know Jehovah God. In verse 4, he says, To give subtlety to the simple. The simple is that one that is naive. We used to call them in school squirrels, dorks. They didn't know what was happening. They were naive to sin and evil. And we had a great time with them. Solomon says, hey, that person that is simple towards evil, he's naive. This is who the Proverbs for, to instruct you. You don't have to experience to know. I can tell you and warn you, and if you will obey, you will receive the benefit. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. The young man, because he has not experienced everything. He has not had the years behind him. And this is the greater deterring factor to youth. Because we are young, we don't have the experience of knowing the consequences. Have you ever seen a baby and he just starts walking and he gets up on sinks with tile floors and he does dumb things? He doesn't know fear. He's never fallen off and cracked his skull. You wouldn't find a 15-year-old doing what a baby does because he knows the danger. And so here, for the young man, the Proverbs are to instruct him, not having to experience, but by obedience, that he would receive the benefit. Isn't that what God told Adam and Eve? Don't experience, but be obedient. If you try to experience, you're going to die. And they chose to experience and to partake of the fruit of good and evil. We have the same picture here in Proverbs. Now in verse 5, it says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. Sometimes we feel that we're really wise, but because we never listen, we manifest our stupidity. You know, I want to listen to all men because I don't know everything. In the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom, the scriptures declare. And when I get around people that have walked with the Lord longer than I have, I just want to keep quiet, I just want to listen. And even as people that are younger than me in the Lord, I have to be careful that I'm not always talking, <laughs> but that I can receive from all. And you give a wise man instruction, he will hear, he will increase in learning and become wiser. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel because he understands the wisdom in hearing out. As I tell you over and over again, the more I study, the more I know how little I know. There is so much. And the more I study the Word of God, the more undefined those absolutes get. <laughs> There's just so much to learn. Now in verse 6, he says, To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise 
and their dark sayings. So this is the purpose of the proverb. To give discretion to the youth. To give him wise counsel that he's not ensnared with the evil of the world. And then in verse 7 he gives us a key to being obedient. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The word beginning there means first in place, time or rank. We might translate it the base or foundation of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. If we ever expect to receive any knowledge of God, then the fear of the Lord is the very foundation that we have to have. You show me a Christian or a person that does not fear God, and I'll show you a person that will try to live their own life. I'll show you a person that doesn't really wait on the Lord. I'll show you a person that doesn't seek the word for wisdom. The basic foundation for our existence and for our progression in Christ is the fear of the Lord. The very foundation is to fear God, to know who He is. Not in terms of fear as we know it, that He would destroy us, but of who He is. He's all wise. He's all knowing. He's all loving. Colossians 2, 3 says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. And that's why I'm to draw nigh to Him and I'm to abide in Him, that I might receive the benefit of that knowledge. Now in verse 8 he says, My son, and here's Solomon speaking to his son, Hear the instructions of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be as ornaments of grace unto thy head, and a chain about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. So here you have the parents instructing the child. And he's saying, if you put them around thy neck, they're going to be like an ornament, like grace. They will be ever present before you. But notice that he says in verse 10, when sinners entice thee, consent thou not. It's not going to happen automatically. There are times when you and myself will be in the company of the wicked. We can't escape that. Remember Paul told the Corinthians, as he wrote in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians about that man that was committing fornication with his stepmother. And then later on down the chapter he says, Now, I didn't speak about getting away from all fornicators or adulterers, for I'd have to take you out of the world. God left us in the world, and we're going to be around wicked people, degenerates. And yet God has placed you there to be the light of that place. And many times they're going to entice you. And they just want to see what you're going to do. And they know you're a Christian. Sinners will entice you. Your flesh will also entice you. And there is a decision that you and I have to make. What am I going to do with that enticement? I can't blame anybody. I have to make that decision. Solomon says here, consent thou not. Jesus says, strive to enter in. It does take a participation. Paul uses the word agonize for the Christian experience. Peter says we're soldiers fighting in a warfare. Paul says we're running a race. And we have to compete according to the rules. Pastor Xavier Reese has been giving us a definition of wise living from the quintessential book of wisdom, 
the Old Testament book of Proverbs on today's Simple Truths. And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's much more to come right here next time as well. Now, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, though, you can pick up your own personal copy of this message. The title to ask for is Introduction to Proverbs. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study once you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Introduction to Proverbs, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Then join us for more Simple Truths from the Book of Proverbs next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 